Welcome to Ravel Radio. I'm your host, Kara Steinman, and I'm all about helping women entrepreneurs get connected. We live in a society that benefits from women being disconnected from ourselves and disconnected from each other, often at the expense of our financial, physical, and mental health. And that really pisses me off. I believe the key to dismantling those systems of oppression lies smack dab in the collective power of women. I've made it my mission to help remove the obstacles that keep us separate so we can join forces, build more wealth, and make a bigger impact together than we ever could alone. These are the conversations that will get us there. Who's coming with me? So welcome back, everyone, to Ravel Radio. If this is your first time, we chat with women entrepreneurs about how to make this whole thing easier because it shouldn't be as hard as it is or as it seems to be. And today I'm talking to Jody Brandon. Welcome, Jody. Thanks for having me, Kara. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thanks for being here. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what you do. So I am, I first of all, love the premise of making things easier. Um, all about that. Uh, yeah. So I am a book coach and editor for entrepreneurs writing a book that will help them, you know, market their business, grow their business in some way. My background is in traditional publishing. Um, that was sort of my bread and butter for a while. And then I realized that business owners and entrepreneurs um, maybe need a little bit more coaching help along the way and self-publishing is a more accessible path for them. Um, and they actually, a lot of them prefer it because of the control. I'm sure we'll get into all of that oh, yeah. good stuff. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do all day, every day, work with business owners, writing books. It's the best job ever. Awesome. So why, why, um, business owners in particular, like how would we, how do we benefit in your, in your view from publishing, even if it's self-publishing, which may rely on our own audience. Yeah, I think that honestly, it's a great way. There's lots of different ways, but I think the biggest way it can help business owners is that it can give people a relatively inexpensive entry into your ecosphere, whether that's, you know, whether you want to use it as part of a funnel or if you want to showcase the way you teach, you know, if you have maybe a core signature course or something like that, it's a good way to kind of, you know, give people a peek behind the curtains, see how you teach, see how you talk, see what your method methodology is, you know, if it's the right approach that they're looking for, mm -hmm. it's a great thing to have a book if you want to have a speaking arm to your business, yeah, um, okay. which a lot of business owners we do. We definitely want to talk about that because yeah. a lot of the women in the Ravel community want to be paid speakers and or they yeah. are already paid speakers. And that's, you know, I think some of them have books too. Yeah, I know some of them have books, but I I'm know sure. some of the ones who are speaking, get getting paid to speak, have books. So maybe there's some correlation there, definitely. Yeah, well, it's a it can a lot of times conference owners and conference um, directors tell me it's if it comes down to, you know, speaker A or speaker B, if you have a book, it just sort of is sort of that leg up. You know, there's something okay. about the credibility of having gone through the process and doing the work and getting it out there that, you know, is appealing to, um, yeah. to conference organizers. Okay. I like that. Yeah. So I want to talk about how we think about publishing because I'll speak for myself and, and okay. there are se several of my girlfriends who are entrepreneurs have, have experienced this also. We have grown up wanting to publish a book someday. Like we want to write a book. There's just this like thing inside and we want to write a book, right? Yep. And maybe we didn't know exactly what it was, but now that we have a business and we want more visibility and we know that it's like a, like a golden business card, right? Yes. Um, we have like, I almost wonder if we have to shift the way that we're thinking about publishing because in my mind, I was going to write this novel and it was just going to be like, that's it. You just write the novel and then people buy your book and you make a bunch of money from your book. And that's just <laughs> not really what we're talking about when we're talking about publishing for business, right? Uh 
Correct. Um, a lot of people do think that though. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people have that misconception. Um, I talk to them every day. Um, yeah, I think the the real differentiator with a nonfiction book that's going to serve your business is that the money is not in the book. Yeah. And if you can understand that at the ground level, you're good to go because then you don't get wrapped up in the oh I've got to check my royalty report. Oh I've got to see how many sales I had today. Oh, you know, this, that, and the other that traditional publishing relies on. That's, you know, sort of how you make your money in traditional publishing is through mm -hmm. book sales themselves. For business owners, that's typically not the case, but that's typically not what you're trying to do. So it's that sort of understanding the money's not in the book and making sure that that's aligned with what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, if you're clear on those goals from the get-go, and it's hard once you get into it. I, I just ranted about this the other day on Instagram Live. Um, it's easy to say, oh no, I don't care if I sell, you know, if I don't sell thousands of books, I'm interested in, you know, getting my book to X, Y, and Z conferences into their swag bags or, you know, something like that. But then once, you know, your, your book is out there and you're looking at bestseller lists and you're hearing other people talk about book mm -hmm. sales, then it's hard to not slip into, but but, but, um, so yeah. you've got to really be clear because it is, it's a lot of work. It's a big project, right? This is not just, you know, throwing together, you know, a carousel for Instagram stories. Like yeah. it's a big project. So you've got to, if you're, but if you're clear about what you want to get out of it, that makes it easier to, I think, get it done and then stay focused on your, you know, your North star once it's mm. out there. And I know historically, you know, nonfiction books are 70, 80,000 words, right? Like they, they're a big beefy. Is is that changing a little bit? It is. It is. I mean, it really, nonfiction books, honestly, can be anywhere between, you know, like 30 and 90, 80, 90,000 words. It sort of depends on the genre, you know, your, mm -hmm. your category, your topic. Um, but a lot of books are getting shorter in general. Novels less so, but nonfiction, like you yeah. said, just because, I mean, we're in this society where we want answers quickly. We don't mm -hmm. want to sit down and read, you know, a 700 page book to get the answer. Business owners writing books, you're writing a book for somebody who has a problem they want you to help them solve yep. or they want to learn something. They want to be able to get access to whatever that is fairly quickly. So, I mean, I find a lot of these, a lot of the books that fall into the, you know, professional or personal development, self-help category, you know, and then obviously like niche down from there, but that's the overarching category, you know, are usually in like the 30 to 40, 45,000 word range. I feel like I've read a couple of them that are like maybe even 10, 20,000 words. And I don't mind that. There are, there, yeah, no, there definitely are shorter books out there for sure. Yeah. Like yeah, a lot of, you hear a lot of people say, I want, if I want you to be able to read it like on a train ride or an airplane yeah. flight or something like that. Yeah. So. And I honestly appreciate that because not only like attention span being a problem, but I feel like a lot of the books to have this big dump of information and concept in the beginning. And then it's a little bit less beefy, like a little bit less, um, in interesting towards the end it can be yeah. is that just a writing style or is that sort of like how what, what's with that I think part of it is the you know we want the quick answers but I think there's you know you can go down the path of like breadth versus depth yeah like do you want to and then you have to decide you know my book for example you can kind of see it over my shoulder there it just happened I'm revising it so there's a copy in my like working area back there <laughs> um I go it's mine covers the whole gamut you know the three uh, pieces that I talk about write publish and market it, but it's just an overview of each of them. Now, each of them could be a full book, each of the, or, you know, I could have made that an 
500 page tome, but who wants to read that? Like, that's a lot. absolutely not. So, and that's not the purpose of my book. My yeah. purpose was not to like share everything I know in one book. My purpose yep. was to, you know, give the overview, tell people what they can do on their own, and then how I can help them if they need help with one or all three phases of the project. So speaking of sharing everything you you know, yeah. <laughs> this is something I've struggled with because I, I do want to write, I'm, I'm doing like I'm working on one project right now, but I they're like, if we're talking 30,000, maybe 30,000, 40,000 words, that's not that big deal. That's like three ebooks maybe or something like that. Yes. How do we, what do you say to people who have, who go off on tangents or who, who can't seem to pare down their idea because they can see how it relates to this other part that they want to talk about too? Like, how do you get to the one nugget that you're supposed to talk about? You figure out what, who that primary audience is for this project and what is the problem you're trying to solve for them. And then you just, I mean, if you need to put that on a sticky note and put it up on your laptop so that you see it every time, then that's what you do. It is hard to, because you feel like, oh, if I share this though, that's going to really, that showcases my credibility, that showcases my authority. You really just need to keep your eye on the prize. Um, and the prize, especially with business owners writing books, is usually a small piece, a little nugget of what you know and what you teach and what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's fair to say too, that as we grow and evolve in our businesses, we might want to write another book and another book and another book. Absolutely. So that kind of takes the pressure off a little bit, right? So we're not writing the great American nonfiction book here that is going to like, yes, like we shouldn't be thinking in grand terms and putting all this pressure on ourselves when we could bust out a book that is great, but also move on. And then we can do another one later. You can do another book later. You can also, I mean, the what I'm doing is revising this. It'll be the third edition of Write Publish Market. Okay, you know, talk about revision change. a little. How, yeah, how does I that mean, work? And when do you when do you do it? Well, I mean, a lot of times it'll be dictated by something in your industry. So, okay. I mean, when I now it's just it needs to be freshened up because it's a couple years old. Um, and some of the information I want to freshen up the examples. I've better like. Hey there, sorry to interrupt. I wanted to pop in here real quick and say thanks for being here. If you're enjoying this episode, I've got a special treat for you. You can now get early access to the full uncut Ravel Radio episodes, as well as bonus conversations exploring everything from feminist entrepreneurship to neurodiverse business strategies. It's a little bit like being a fly on the wall for a really juicy conversation. And it's free. All you have to do to get the inside scoop is subscribe to our private podcast called Unraveled. To get access, just visit RavelCollective.com slash Unraveled to sign up and start listening. The link is in the show notes, and I hope to see you there. Client case studies that are more, I think, um, appealing to the people in my audience. Sometimes it's dictated, though, by something. Like the last time I revised, Amazon um, KDP used to be called CreateSpace, and then they got rid of it altogether, their self-publishing arm. So I had CreateSpace all over the place. And when people were like, oh, what's CreateSpace? I've never heard of it. And now they can't find anything about it. So that sort of necessitated to me, okay, like we need to revise here. But then now that I'm doing that, now I've got to chance to, you know, freshen up the examples, do this, do that. Um, and just, you know, make sure that everything's still relevant. Examples are the biggest thing. I think you want to make sure that any, you know, student story you share, client story you share, um, is appealing to the people in your audience now, because just like you're evolving, sometimes your audience is evolving too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, brings us to this brings us to the next question I had, which was about chat GPT and AI and all that, because I know that there's a place for it. Is there a place for it in the kind of thing that we're doing when we're writing a nonfiction book for our business? I mean, there are going to be people who will say yes. 
<laughs> I'm not one of them. Um, okay. I think that there are ways that's actually the, the topic this uh, quarter in our in my membership um, is where where can you use AI mm-hmm. ethically in your book process? And there are lots and lots of ways. Um, but the actual writing piece um, is very murky um, with copyright and all of that, just because yeah. we don't know where they're pulling from. Now, can you use it to help you, you know, research? Sure. You still want to follow up on that because we've seen lots of examples of, you know, chat GPT and others spitting out something that people are then taking as fact. And it's in fact not. Um, you can use it to uh, brainstorm topic ideas. You can use it to brainstorm a t- of contents. There's lots and lots of ways to use it, especially, you know, on the marketing end, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. But as far as the actual writing piece, my, my advice is you're a business owner, you have so much content out there. Don't rely on artificial intelligence, use your own material already and see what you can repurpose there. Because you probably I mean, especially if we're talking about Kara, like 30, 40,000 words, you've got way, way, way more than that in your content archive. Let me run a scenario past you then really quick, because I had this idea and you're the, this is like the timing is perfect here because my (laughs) SEO gal just this morning reached out and she's like, Hey, have you done anything with these like 10 keywords that I gave you? And I was like, Nope, haven't done a goddamn thing. (laughs) Totally checked out over the holiday, but now I'm, I'm raring to go, but they're all related to this topic that I want to write about, which is the non-ic networking. Right. And so so I had this idea to go to ChatGPT GPT and say, you know, write an outline for a book about non-ic networking. Use mm-hmm. incorporate these keywords, but instead of giving me a table of contents, give me or maybe give me a table of contents, fine, but then yeah. break it down into blog posts that I can then repurpose into the parts of the book maybe. But do the writing myself, but use it to help organize the thoughts Absolutely. in a logical way. Yeah. And then buy your membership for co- for the coaching and come in and get some accountability in actually sitting down to write those things. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great tool, obviously. I mean, yeah. just in all the ways it can help us as business owners. And I use it every day. I don't want to sound like I'm a, you know, like totally anti Not a total AI. purist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think, um, especially with everything we know about where they're getting their data and yeah. the fact that these cool, these tools are, you know, pulling from copyrighted material without mm-hmm. acknowledging sources, let alone like properly crediting them and paying them for use um, is not good for the publishing industry. Right. Yeah. Um, So then, I mean, I just keep coming back to these issues that I have. (laughs) Like I worked at, I was a writer in content for so long and when you do that, you tend to learn about SEO and then you learn about all the business blogging rules. And there's all these things that you learn that sort of chip away at your creativity and your ability to just sit down and write. And I know that for me, ChatGPT and all, you know, any AI, any AI has been most helpful in just eliminating the blank page problem. Yeah. But what what would you say are some strategies to get around that if you don't want to use AI and you want to genuinely just like figure out how to write again and without getting stuck? Yeah, blinking. I call it blinking cursor syndrome. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's it. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, and it's just um, taunting I, you. Yeah, it, yes, absolutely. I think that starting with something that maybe you've already written as a starting point and seeing where you can jump off from there is is helpful for a lot of people. Um, either adding to something or, you know, expanding a section within something you've already written, something like that. Mm-hmm. Having a detailed outline, a lot of my clients like to call it a um, a working table of contents because they don't like the word outline. It's the exact same thing. I but- like that. 
I hate, I used to refuse to write content for someone if they gave me an outline. I'm like, no, I don't know where this is going yet. Yeah. Well, and just the word outline, it like, it just like, it just reminds you of school. (laughs) It's very, it feels restrictive. It feels like like I have to stay within these borders. Exactly. Um, But I mean, having a working table of contents is very freeing for a lot of people. And then you can just pick and choose where you're writing that day. So you don't have to write something in, that's the beauty too of a nonfiction book versus say a novel, Mm -hmm. which is typically written in order. I mean, you know, if I have a chapter, I'm working on a chapter about this, but I'm just not feeling it today. Okay, find another spot. I'm dying over here because for somebody who doesn't like rules and linear stuff, I'm like, I know never occurred to me that I could just start at chapter eight. Like maybe that's what I'm feeling today. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And it just sort of like just that knowledge of being able to start somewhere else in a different document. It's so much mindset. I mean, everything about book writing. Not I love what you said. A lot about, about it is mindset. I love what you said about working with uh, or like starting with something you kind of already wrote too, though, because I, you're right. I do. I have 50,000 words at least already on this topic that I've written. Yep. It may not even be published. It's in all, it's all in my drive, but yep. I tried to compile it all at one point and then organize it into a, and that was just like That's way too overwhelming. Too overwhelming. Yeah. Yep. But if I started with some kind of working, working table of contents, I yeah. could even search my drive for those keywords and then just start there with whatever little blurb I've got. Absolutely. Yeah. That seems so much more manageable. Talk. Go ahead. ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, if you think about it like that, it's more like putting a puzzle together than staring at a blank screen. Yes. Yeah. I like that. It's this mindset thing, the shift in how you think about it. Like that makes all the difference, right? Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. It's not that complicated. I used to write three, five, seven thousand dollar e or seven. Word, three, <laughs> five, seven thousand word ebooks, like yeah. every other week, like no big deal, and hand yep. them into my clients. Like I've written so much. And to yeah. sit down and write 30, 40,000 words is like, should not be a big deal. Right. Well, and f- you're a writer, so you've got all the words. But for other business owners who maybe don't have that written content, think about, you know, YouTube videos that you've done, get a transcript. Think about podcast interviews you've done, get a transcript. So yes. it come, it becomes words, but maybe you don't think of yourself as a writer by nature. That doesn't mean that you don't have the content to pull yes. from and repurpose from. Yes. And then it just becomes yeah. editing. Like at a, at a certain point, I prefer yeah. editing because there's no blank cursor there. Yeah. Like just, just give me something I can work with. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I just the blank cursor really, I mean, I, I've written many books, many other things. The blank cursor gets everybody. <laughs> I, mean, I feel just... like it comes from so much. There's so much emphasis put on the hook. Like, you know, that if you're starting this chapter or this section, you yeah. have to like make it great. Like, yes. That's just too much pressure. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, no, and go back and add later. Just get it down. And then, like you said, like you can edit, you can revise, you can, you know, you know, punch it up, you can punch it down, whatever, whatever you need to do, but you yeah. can't do anything if it's, there's not something there. Yeah. So there's a lot of book coaches out there that work with people in hybrid publishing, or they work with them to create a proposal to get traditionally published. You yeah. primarily work with clients who want to self-publish. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one, I mean, it it gets, it's harder and harder and harder to get a traditional book deal, right? It's just uh, the publishing industry. When I worked in the publishing industry, it was like the big 10 and now it's the big four. Like they're all, eventually there's going to be one big company and that's going to be it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to join our private podcast, Unraveled. 
That's where you'll get early access to the raw, unedited Ravel Radio conversations, as well as bonus content. It's totally free and easy to subscribe. Just visit RavelCollective.com slash Unraveled to sign up.